We are going to talk about money. Didn't have the same response to that as you did that song, did you? No applause at all. A couple groans. That's fine. I understand. Now, I was kind of thinking about the results of this, you know, $5 challenge that, you know, Kyle and Tim are doing. Like, some of us know how to stretch $5. Like, we've really been thinking about it. And it's like, thinking about college, you know, and ramen noodles. Didn't even know they existed, and I lived off of them. You know, we had all sorts of different strategies on how to eat them. So I kind of want to see what you guys thought of that $5 challenge and who won. Was it Kyle or was it Tim? So let's see. Let's see the results here. Overwhelming. Overwhelmingly, Kyle. And I think the answer is because who, like, it's a lot of fun to see Tim get shot in the face with a Nerf gun. He, uh, he was ranting out in the atrium after first service about why he thought he still should win. He was wrong, but he was still ranting about it. And so if you see him, go ahead and give, feel free to give him a hard time about that. Now, I don't know what your financial situation is. Maybe you're really working towards retirement and you talk to financial advisors all the time. Maybe you're in retirement and you think about money in a different way. Maybe you're a kid and you're just starting to figure out kind of the whole financial thing. Maybe you're still in the piggy bank mindset, which I get, and you're just doing your best to put a few pennies away for a rainy day, no matter the situation, no matter how long you've been around here at the Ridge, no matter if this is your first time at the Ridge, we're talking about money anyway, so you better buckle up because here we go. Now we're continuing a series called Piggy Banks and 401ks. And here's the concept. See, money is a big part of our lives. Whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we act like it is or not, it's something that impacts our lives every single day. And I believe that God cares about us so much that it cares about every aspect of our life, including money and how we spend it, how we save it, what we do with it, all of that. But I have a suspicion that we have mixed feelings about church and money and talking about it openly in church. Like it can get a little uncomfortable. It can get a little weird. We can step on some toes. So here's what I'd like. I would love to know how you actually feel about me being up here talking about money. So we're going to put up another QR code, and I would love for you to vote on how you feel about the words we're talking about money today in church. I'm anticipating some things. Maybe you're one of the people who are like, if we're talking about money in church, I'm going to try to leave without him noticing. Like when he moves to this half of the room, the other half of the room just is going to be gone. Like they're like, I'm going to the bathroom. And then they walk out and you're like, skick, 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 boom, and then they're out of here. And they're like, you know, tire marks outside, you know, all that type of stuff. So maybe that's your response. Maybe you're more of the like, you just subconsciously like reach for your wallet or you're like for your purse, you're like protecting it. You're like, I don't want him to see it. Or maybe you are like, okay, roll your eyes. Here we go again. Like, oh my goodness, we're talking about money in church. That's all that these churches care about. Or maybe you get really excited and you are pumped and you're on the edge of your seat. So I don't know which one you are, but let's see kind of where people have been at today. Overwhelmingly rolling eyes. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's some people who are lying and saying they're excited and sitting on the edge of the seat. No, that's not true. I'm sure that you're telling the truth. I want to meet every single one of you. We'll be down here. We'll just line up this way. And I just want to, uh, to know why you think that. That's awesome. Some people were honest and they tried to leave. The reason no one did this one is they've already left. They didn't even know that we were doing this poll. They're just out of here. See, we have mixed feelings about money in church, right? 
Like we often have questions about church and and money and Jesus and how they kind of all mix together. We have questions about all sorts of things, don't we? Like you go to, you know, something at work or you go to, you know, you're watching the news or you go to an event at your kid's school and you experience it. And then you have what I call the car conversation. And the car conversation is our like honest assessment of what's going on. Like we get in the car and we say things like, did you see what she was wearing? Or we say things like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Or we have questions. We're like, well, who and why and how come? And I don't understand that. And hold on a second. You know, that's where like the real conversations happen. And so the same thing happens with things at church. You know, you're online or you're here and you go home, you get in the car, you kind of mutter some of the car conversation to your family, and either you like out of sight, out of mind, you don't think about those questions again, or you never have the opportunity to ask those questions. And so today what we're going to talk about are some questions that a lot of us have about money and church. Now here's the recap of what we talked about last week. We asked this question last week, why in the world does God care about money? Now God cares about money because God cares about us. That's the reason. We care about money. He cares about every aspect of our lives, including the aspects that we're uncomfortable with him interacting in. It impacts our lives, so God cares about us. So we're going to talk about it. Now, sometimes we act like money is kind of our savior, like it's more important. It can do more for us than even God can. So it's important for us to talk about it because it impacts our spiritual lives. And it's important for us to remember That all money, all possessions, all of our stuff, all come from God. It was God's in the first place, and he provides for us. And that's what we talked about last week. Money matters to God because it matters to us. And maybe you're in the camp of, here we go again, another money guilt trip. But we're not the first people who asked about money. We're not the first people who had questions about money and faith. Actually, all the way back in the Bible, people asked those types of questions. That's one of the reasons that the Bible, I think, is so precious. Because when you have questions, or you don't know what to do, or you're interacting with these things, I think that there is hope and joy and peace and answers oftentimes in the Bible. So that's where we're going to go. We're going to go straight to the Bible, because it speaks directly to some of the things that we're talking about. Check this out. This is 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This is actually logic. That's what's happening right here. If you don't plant any seeds, nothing grows, right? It's not magic. Like you have to do something for it to grow. And so Paul, who wrote this letter to a specific church in a specific place, starts this conversation with this principle. Hey, generosity is important. If you don't start with generosity, we kind of miss the mark here. Now, here's the setup. Like I said, it, this is written by a guy named Paul to a church, like to a group of people. And so this group of people was called the Corinthian Church, and they had some of these questions about God and faith and money and how it all fit together. And so... I think Paul is writing this part of this letter directly to these people because they had maybe the same question that you have right now. Here's the question. Do I have to? Or do I have to give? 
Like, does the Bible say that I need to give, or do I have to do it in a certain way, or do I have to give to the local church, or can I give to other things? Now, I know that that question can sound a little whiny, right? It's like, do I have to? It's like a little kid who, like you say, hey, you need to take out the trash, and then they don't want to take out the trash, and they say, do I have to? I'm I'm working out my trauma right now. Actually, that's like real life for me this week, but... Like, we have this attitude sometimes about life. Like, do I have to? But when we really dig in, I don't think that this is a whiny question. I think this is a fair question. Why is it a fair question? Well, oftentimes when we're interacting with faith and money, we're looking for, like, the rule or, like, the formula or the goal that we need to hit, the target that we want to kind of put up. And then we decide, okay, if that's what the Bible says, I'm going to decide if I agree with it or not. So do I have to give? Is it important to give financially? And my answer is, yeah. And I want to stop right there and answer a side thought that maybe you have, because there's a little tension that comes along with this question from a guy like me standing on a platform like this. And here's the, the statement that I've been asked this last week. This is, what, this is the statement. Well, that's easy for you to say. I mean, you're a pastor, right? You get paid by people who give to the rich. So doesn't this benefit you directly? And I understand the tension. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to speak to it directly, okay? I believe the way we interact with money impacts our spiritual lives. So if you think that this is more about the ridge than it is about you and your spiritual life, or if you think this is more about me than it is about anything else, don't give to the ridge. Because that's not what it's about. What it's about is generosity and you giving somewhere. So don't use me as an excuse not to respond to God. Because the original answer to the question is, yeah, yeah. Do I have to give? Yeah, he, he asks us to give. We're prompted to give. And I believe if our focus is Jesus, like we're keeping our eyes focused on Jesus, then the question even changes a little bit. There's a natural question of, do I have to? But I think it moves from that to this other question, which is more like, how would God have me use his money? Because it's his in the first place. And here's the truth. If you have money... God has given you the money. And I know that you worked hard, and I know that there are situations, and you had education, and all those types of things. But the reality is, God provides for us. If you have the money, he's given you the money. So how does God want you to use his money? And the question is kind of the key that unlocks this whole conversation. It's a good question. The question we're kind of working through this entire series. Do I have to give? Yeah, I think he prompts us to give. And that leads us to this next question. And if you're like me, you already know what it is. Because you're like, do I have to give? And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, here's the next question. All right, how much? How much? Give me the rule. Give me the bill. Like, show me the damage. You have any, like, you know, dads in your life that are like that at the restaurant? You're like, show me the damage. You're like, oh, my gosh. That's me, by the way. I don't know why I'm making fun of them. That's totally me. 
But this is a natural question too, and it can seem confusing because we're like, we're trying to find that rule or that target, but Paul has something to say about this question too. And I think there's some secret sauce in there, so we're going to camp out there for just a second. So check this out. This is verse 7. All right, so Paul's like, okay, we're talking about giving, generosity, right? You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully, happily, with joy. That's kind of what that word means. So let's break it down. Here's the first part. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Well, how do we do that? And no, unfortunately, the right answer is not as little as possible. That's what we want it to be, right? We look at what we have, and then we look at what we have left, and then we're like, okay, that's what that's where it's coming from. No, 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 no. It's all God's. The whole bucket. The whole enchilada. So how much is he prompting you to give? Have you asked him? This reminds me of a, of a story, kind of a, a silly little story. So there's this dad and his son, and they're on a trip, and they're driving down the road, and the, and the son says, I'm hungry. I could use a snack. And the dad goes, I know just what to do. And he turns the corner, and there he sees them. It's like the golden arches. They're like singing to him. It's like, oh. And so he sees the golden arches. He pulls into the McDonald's parking lot. They actually go inside. Yes, that's still an option. There's not just drive through in the world. There are places to sit down inside. And so he goes inside. The dad goes up to the counter, and he orders. And he's like, can I have just the freshest, hottest, steamiest, golden, perfectly cooked, salted, amazing French fries. I have a problem, but they're amazing French fries. And so they give the French fries, and then the dad takes the French fries to the son, and he puts the perfect French fries in front of the son. Then he puts the perfect ketchup in front of the son, and the son is just destroying those fries. I mean, just like multiple fries, like 20 fries in at the same time. Like he's just having a blast. It's fantastic. And then the dad does what dads do. He reached over. And he took one of those fries. And the son lost his mind. (laughs) Those are mine, Dad. What are you doing? Get your own fries. And so then the dad and son, they get into the car. And there's silence. And the dad is thinking, like, don't you understand? I bought you the fries. I provide the fries. You didn't do that on your own. And I can buy you more fries than you can possibly imagine. It would blow your mind how many fries I could provide for you. And I can take them away, too. And all I wanted was to share this with you. And is that about me and Asher? A little bit. (laughs) A little bit. But the more I thought about that story, the more I think about it in the context of me and God. Because that's kind of how I interact with God and his provision. He's providing all of these things for me. It's for my benefit. He wants to enjoy it with us. He doesn't need our fries or our money. He doesn't need them. He's got plenty. But he wants us to understand who provided He wants us to understand who loves us so much. And we must decide how generous we want to be. And I want to just say this. 
A lot of times we want to feel generous before we'll behave generous. We want the feeling to go before the action. But I would challenge you with this. I believe that oftentimes this is a decision. You must decide to do it. It's a thought. It's an action before it's a feeling. He doesn't say you must feel in your heart that you should be generous. He says you're deciding to respond to God and his generosity. And then Paul continues and he says, no, okay, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give because I'm asking you to. Give because God is interacting in your life and he's provided more than you can possibly imagine. Generosity is a response. It's an attitude. So we don't respond reluctantly or begrudgingly or in response to pressure. And Paul says it kind of like this. He wraps it up like this. Give cheerfully, happily, with joy. It's not a dollar amount. Does that surprise you? It kind of surprises me. It doesn't say, okay, this is how much. Carry the nine divided by two. Like he doesn't say any of that in here. What he's saying is it is about your heart. Giving is about your attitude. It's your posture. And God desires for our heart to not be a how much God, but here's all of it. God. We try to have the same attitude actually here at the Ridge when it comes to giving. We want to give a lot of your generosity away to other organizations in our community, other people who are around the world or in our country who are doing whatever it takes to love people, to reach their community for Jesus through care things, through churches, through mission organizations, all sorts of these different things. And I believe that when we give cheerfully with the right attitude, God shows up and he maximizes it. And it's an amazing thing. He shows up every single time. Here's one example. Hello to the Ridge from sunny Florida. It's sunny today. It wasn't so sunny yesterday. We had a tropical storm come through. It's still pretty breezy, but that's, you know, that's life in Florida. My name is Aaron Johnson. This is my wife, Jen. She's got a little tickle in her throat, so she's not going to say anything today. I believe you may know my brother, Adam. Uh, We are church planters here in southwest Florida, specifically a community called Lakewood Ranch, uh, which is in kind of the Bradenton, Sarasota area, south of Tampa Bay. And Thanks to the generous and faithful support of churches like the Ridge, we've been in this area for about a year and a half, and this past August officially launched Renaissance Church. God has brought us people who were far from God, people who were uh, unchurched completely, or maybe they've been dealing with some pretty serious church hurt, Um, but he's allowed us to connect with them. We have a network of small groups that have been meeting and that are getting ready to grow, and uh, we have worship services that are happening, and through those things, these people have read the Bible. They found Jesus. We've actually had five people already who've made the decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. So we're really excited to see what God is going to do in the future. God is also working through Renaissance Church to help our community in a bunch of ways. You might have heard of something recently called Hurricane Ian. Uh, the worst damage by Ian was a little bit south of here. That's the one that like made the national news. But even here, I mean, there was power outages that lasted days and days, even over a week. There was really bad flooding that lasted lasted for a long time. And uh, thanks again to the generosity of churches like you, we were able to help. We provided hot meals for the uh, medical staff and volunteers that used the middle school where we meet uh, for worship services. Uh, They used that for the emergency shelter. So we were able to bless them. 
Uh, we were able to help people who lost all their food that was refrigerated because they lost power. And we helped them uh, kind of play the middleman, help provide supplies from others who had donated to uh, the families that needed it the most. We loaded supplies for the families that were affected by the flooding. It was really cool, the, all the ways that God was able to, to use just our, our little Renaissance Church to, to work in this community. So thank you so much for your generosity, your support, your prayer support. We could not do what we're doing without you and churches like you. So thank you so much. Go Colts. You can tell he's my brother. Go Colts, yeah. See, God is working. And he works through our generosity. He actually does more in it than we could do on our own or individually. And we get to join him in what he's already doing, like in Florida. And when we want to give, when we are generous, when we have this posture of giving because of who God is and what he's done for us, God shows up every single time. So how much should you give? Like, what's the right answer to that? Well, check out verse 8. This is what Paul says. And give, God will generously provide all you need. It actually starts with God's provision. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. See, you can't outgive God. It's impossible. It starts with God's provision, not with our wisdom, not with what we can do on our own, not with how much money we earn. It starts with God's generosity. And when we respond, God shows up. And he shows up right here. You get everything you need and plenty left over. That's pretty amazing. That's a good deal. Now, you might have a couple of other questions after a verse like this. You're like, okay, all right. What if, what if I can't give? See, money and fear have a really close relationship. Sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes we're struggling financially. Sometimes we're not meeting budget. We're behind being evicted, all these real life things that come along with money. So is this still true? Is God still asking us to give generously? And I, I think so. God knows your situation. God knows what you need and can be generous for you in ways that you don't even see sometimes. And oftentimes, I believe it's in the hard stuff where faithfulness shows up. It's making this decision to give, and there's a faith aspect to the generosity that Paul is talking about. If it's only easy to give, you might need to check your heart a little bit. And by the way, he gives more than money, right? He gives all sorts of things, expertise, time, energy, effort. So no matter what you have, no matter the dollar amount, we get so caught up in that. I don't think it's about the dollar amount. I think it's about the heart How would God use what he's given you? What's he asking you to do? I think that applies to any situation. If you're a kid and you have a piggy bank, if you are an adult and you have a 401k, if you are rich or you are poor or you consider yourself all of the above, I don't know, it doesn't matter. What matters is our heart, our posture. Now, if you've been in church for a while, there are a couple of other questions that come along with money and church. Here's one. If you're, if you're new to the church thing, maybe you've heard this word before. What is a tithe? A tithe? What's a tithe? That sounds like an old-fashioned word a little bit. What is that? Well, simply, tithing is 10% of a person's income. 
But tithing is an Old Testament, kind of first half of the Bible concept. When Israelites, the people of God, gave 10% of everything they had, their crops and their livestock, back to God. But in fact, the Old Testament had multiple tithes in it, not just one. So there was one tithe for the priests or the Levites, kind of the, the church leaders. There was one for the temple and feasts, so for the worship gatherings, and, and one for the poor and helping other people. And if you're doing the math at home, it was more than 10%. It was actually 23.3%. Squirmy, right? It's a little uncomfortable. You're like, oh, I like 10%. Go back to 10%. Go back, go back. I don't like that. I don't like your math. That is church math if you've ever heard it. You're like 10, 10, 10. It should be 30, but it's 23.3. But you might have this question when it comes along with this tithe question. Here, here it is. Should I? Is that what God has asked me? Is that the amount? Like, I'm looking for the magic number. And here's the deal. There's some people in the Christian church, we consider ourselves a Christian church, that have traditionally looked at the Old Testament tithe as a sort of recommended minimum for a Christ follower in their giving. And I completely understand why people go there. And I do think that it can be a helpful tool to challenge us to sacrificially give. But I don't think the New Testament specifically commands a percentage of income, like a 10% percentage of income. It actually talks about gifts in keeping with income. This is another letter that Paul wrote to the same church. This is what he says. On the first day of each week, he's talking about money, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. What does that mean? Does it mean a tithe? Maybe. Does it mean more than a tithe? Maybe. Does it mean less than a tithe? Maybe. See, it's about our heart. It's not about the dollar amount. And sometimes we want the dollar amount to be the point. We want the dollar amount. We want to check it off. And that's not the point. See, the church that Paul is writing to had a question about money. They're like, how do we do it? And he answers the question. But I think instead of focusing on the dollar amount, the New Testament focuses on the heart. And we're to give. We're to be generous because of what God has already done in our lives. And sometimes I believe that means 10%. And sometimes I believe it could mean more than that. Actually, my wife Abby and I feel challenged to give more than that. We felt prompted by God to give more than 10%, so we do. But every follower of Jesus should pray and ask God how much to give and to do so cheerfully, and not to just get whatever we want back. So there's this question that comes along with this, and it's really important, and it's the one that has made the people the most angry with me today. But here it is. So if I give back to God, if I give, what do I get? Will he bless me? Will he give me money back? With interest. We think that that's kind of the, the promise. So check this out. This is verse 11 in that same Second Corinthians letter. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be what? Generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of generosity of giving. Number one, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And number two, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. It says right here in, in verse 11, check this out. This is what it says. It says, you will be enriched in every way. And could that mean financially? Absolutely it could. Does it always? Yeah, I don't know. So what does it mean? What does this mean, being enriched in every way? Here's what I think it means. 
Here's what I think it means. If you give back to God, he will, every single time, bless you spiritually. And sometimes he will also provide financially. But he will provide exactly what you need in the way that you need it. And if that's financial, I believe that's true. If that's spiritual, if that's relational, if that's mental, I believe that that is true as well. You will be enriched in every way. And every single time that Abby and I have given, God has shown up relationally, financially, spiritually. And sometimes you're given money, sometimes you're given time, sometimes you're sacrificing all sorts of different things. But I believe every single time we have asked God, what do you want us to do? And we've responded, he has shown up. Even sometimes when it's ways that we're like, I don't know if we can do that on our own. That's the point. We can't do it on our own. Generosity is not about how much we give. Generosity is about the heart of giving. And I've been reminded today of stories where people have said, hey, I I took a step in faith and God showed up and he provided a scholarship or he provided an opportunity that wasn't there before we took the step. See, he provides, he will bless every single time. This is how Paul describes it actually. This is what he says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. That is what the result is of generosity. It's more about God than it is about us. And for your generosity to them and to all believers who will prove that you are obedient to the good news, the gospel of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. See, he's talking about Jesus right there. He's not talking about money. He's not talking about bank account. He's talking about spirituality. He's talking about faith. If you give back to God, he will blow your socks off spiritually. So the encouragement that I can give you today is to have that right heart. Give back to God because he's already given so generously with you. And maybe you already give and maybe you've been given for a long time and this is a reminder. Maybe you don't give and you don't know what to do and you're struggling with kind of the concept and I'm so glad that you're here. And maybe you want me to shut up. And I understand all of those perspectives. But no matter where you are, no matter what you give, no matter how generous you think you are or aren't or how cheerful you are in giving today, here's, here's kind of the bottom line. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Here it is. I want you to ask God how he wants you to give. See, oftentimes we start with the end. We start with the amount. But what I'm asking you to do is to start with God first. Before you look at numbers and budgets and everything else, how does he want you to give? Now the band is going to come out. And sometimes we ask a question like this, and then we say, okay, I'm going to pray. And then I keep talking, which I still am. And then you actually don't have the opportunity to ask God when we're together. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to play a a, a little music, and we're going to give you like 30 seconds to just do this. To just ask God what he wants you to do. This is a dangerous prayer, by the way. But it's a pretty amazing one. And he promises that he'll bless you spiritually if you do what he's asking you to do. So maybe you're with your spouse. I encourage you, you know, ask together. Maybe you're bold and you want to talk to the person next to you you've never met. You're like, here's what it is. I don't know. I don't know if God's prompting you to do that or not. Maybe he is. But right now, wherever you are, if you're online, if you're here in person, I just encourage you to bow your head 
and ask God, just say the words, God, how do you want me to give? And we're going to give you space to do that. About 30 seconds, starting right here in just a moment, and then I'll close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and I just confess at how scary finances can be sometimes. And there are words thrown around like inflation and like recession and bankruptcy. And it can get complicated and it can get frustrating and it can seem hopeless. So we acknowledge right now, no matter where we're at, no matter what we think, no matter how much is in a bank account, that it's all yours. And we surrender it. We give it back to you. Right now, just even in our head and heart, we just give it back to you. We acknowledge it's yours anyway. And we ask you, we ask you, how do you want us to be generous in our lives? And give us the courage to take that step. Annoy us so much that it keeps coming to mind and heart over and over and over again. Kind of clarify and affirm what you want us to do and help us surrender all of that. And we thank you for the promise that you will enrich our lives in every way, every single way that we can comprehend because of your love, because of Jesus and because of the cross and what you've already given to us. We have this opportunity to be so generous back and join you in what you're doing and put you in your rightful place in our heart. So help us do that today. Just help us. How do you want us to be generous? How do you want us to give? What do you want us to do? What does it look like, God? We're listening. Help us obey. Thank you for Jesus and the cross, and it's in his name that we pray today. Amen.